great to see everybody back, and uh, hope you had a great holiday. We did, uh, but excited to be getting back to normal. So, again, I mentioned this last week. Uh, Erica makes fun of me. Like, I can't start anything on a Thursday. I can't start anything on a, you know, could never start anything on a Saturday. Like, Monday, first of the month, first of the year. Actually, it's already January 6th, so maybe this sermon's going to apply to you for next year, uh, for all I know. But uh, I, I want us to take a minute uh, before we, we get in back into 2 Corinthians uh, after our little, our little break here um, and think about being devoted to God's Word as it relates to Hope Bible Church. And I think you're going to see what I mean uh, as, as we proceed here. So I'm actually going to take you to three different texts this morning. Um, so if, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 2, uh, we're going to start there, and then we're going to proceed, and we're going to get to Psalm 119, which is really, which is really where I'm headed. Um, so in, in Acts chapter 2, uh, prior to that, Luke in chapter 24 says that right before he ascended to heaven, Jesus told the disciples to go back uh, and to wait in Jerusalem, and they obeyed that. He said, you go there until you are clothed with power from on high. Um, And so they go, and they go, and they wait to the, the upper room, which, by the way, is probably the same room where they took the the Passover with Jesus just a few weeks before, and Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit came as they were devoting themselves to prayer. It came upon them like a violent, rushing wind, and uh, I would I would love to spend a little time with that this morning, but that's not our purpose today. Peter, immediately after that, gets up And he preaches a sermon in Acts chapter 2. It had to be one of the greatest sermons ever preached. He's filled with the Spirit. And uh, at the conclusion of his sermon, all the people are pierced with the heart, pierced to the heart. And they say to him, okay, so what should we do? In light of everything you've just told us about Christ, about who he is, about what's been done to him, about his resurrection, what should we do? And so Peter says to them, repent, this is uh, verses 30 and 39, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. And Luke tells us that 3,000 souls were added to their number on that day. And, and do not take that conversion lightly. So I, I've taught, some of you, I've talked about, I have my new uh, current obsession is audiobooks. I just found out. It's great. I can't believe it. Um, so I just finished, I'm still debating whether I can say I've read it if I listen to it. I don't know how that works. Um, but I just listened to a book by Nabil Qureshi called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it's like 54 chapters. I kept thinking, he's going to get saved eventually, right? Like, he doesn't tell the story of his conversion until, like, chapter 52 of 54. Um, But a lot of the story is how close he was. He died, actually. Um, But how close he was to his family. And how, what a struggle that was as he considered following Christ. And when he actually did tell his mom and dad, his mother had to be taken to the hospital and they thought she might die uh, 
because of the shock of him converting from Islam to Christianity. And I say all that to say, don't take this conversion of these 3,000 souls lightly. Most of these people would have been in a similar situation where they would have been giving up their life in the synagogue and with their families and even in their livelihoods by choosing to become followers of Christ. So these people would have paid a very, very high cost to, to, to become followers of Christ there that day um, with, with Peter. All right, so this is a really remarkable time. The newly, uh, the newly born church is beginning to expand. I think it's very unique in the history of the church, but here's where I'm going, uh, if you were wondering. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So this is, this is what they did next. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Um, so they were devoted to the word, devoted to each other and dependent upon God. All right? That that was the life of the church. God worked in their hearts through this conversion, through the Holy Spirit that they were hungry for God's word, they were committed to being generous to one another. We read that they were sharing all things that they had in common. Uh, they were day by day together and then they were dependent upon God in prayer. So they were loving God and they were loving their neighbor and then interestingly in verse 47 it says and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved so as the church was devoted to God devoted to each other and dependent upon him he was the one who was adding to their number and I think I think that's significant I think that is a biblical church growth strategy that we will be committed to God's word, we will be committed to one another, we will be committed to prayer, and then we will trust God to add to our number as we go out and are salt and light in the places where we live. All right, so Hope Bible Church is this new new community of believers. For many of you, Matt and I sat down back in the summer and we came up with five concepts. You may remember some of those discussions. You know, we thought if we're going to have a church that we're going to start, we need to have things that we're going to say to people about what we're, we're starting. But as I've seen God bring people, and people, people obviously I wasn't expecting, uh, different people, different individuals that we meet with during a week, we're seeing that God is sharpening us and he's, he's sharpening that vision for what we, we as Hope Bible Church are going to be. Okay, so it's not just me as a mouthpiece or me and Matt as it's it's us as a body coming together. And so we want our partnership to be driven by these shared commitments together. I want people to come and, and if they see on a website. Okay, that we are devoted to, to, to prayer, and um, devoted to God, and devoted to each other, and devoted to the Word. I want them to say, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Like, not just something that we say about ourselves, but something that actually characterizes us. And so, we want to set as our target 
for Hope Bible Church, and this isn't just for 2019. My prayer would be that for generations, as long as God blesses this church, you know, uh, if, if Jack Stewart grows up and becomes an elder or a deacon later in this church, decades down the line, that these would be the things that we are establishing that we're going to hold on to so that this church can be a light in Savannah for generations. Okay, so I know this is really grand, but today I want us to just talk about being devoted to the word, okay, and what that means and, and what that might look like for us as individuals and then for us as a church, okay? And just to be clear, in Acts chapter 2, he says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and so I'm equating that with God's word. And I think that's consistent in the New Testament. Jesus prays, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 1 Timothy 4, 13, Paul tells the church, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Okay? Hold on one second. I have to come out of this sweater. <laughs> I'm about ready to go join the rowing team out there just so I can get in the water. Okay. Feel free if you need to alter your outerwear at this time. Now would be a good time. Can we edit that from the podcast, Tony? Okay. Um, okay. So I also think then that it is implicit. So apart from it being explicit that we're committed to the word of God, I think it's implicit. I think Jesus's expectation was, you know how you, he would always say, like, you've heard it said or you've read, you know, he, he had this expectation that the people of God were familiar, even in the parable of the soils, you know, the four soils. And he says the seed was planted. The seed was the word of God and it was planted in people's hearts and it produced fruit okay so as we talk about being people who are devoted to God's word I think we are following in the example of God's people all the way I think that Adam and Eve when when God was speaking to that serpent and he was saying uh, he, he, he was saying uh, I will put in enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his, bruise his heel I think Adam was listening to that and he was like I need to remember that I need to think about that God said that I need to think about what that I don't know everything that means but I need to plumb the depths of that Okay, And so as God has revealed himself, as we have more scripture, the people of God throughout the generations, we have just all been focusing on this and thinking about it and being devoted to it. And so those are the kind of people that I want us to be. All right, let's take for a second and think about what does it mean to be devoted to the word? All right, if we're going to be a congregation of people who are devoted to the word, what does that mean? Many churches would affirm that for a church to be devoted to the word, that we would be a, a church that is committed to, you know, going through the scriptures. You know, and some people would say, well, we go by the, the, through the scriptures verse by verse. But that can be really divergent in terms of what that means. So, so what I think it means for us as we press into that is more than just expository preaching. All right, let me explain that to you because that may be a big, a big word, a big new word for you. So, 
if you know anything about my background, where I come from, expository preaching is sort of the sine qua non of like biblical ministry, right? Okay, so we preach verse by verse through the Bible. Expository is just a big fancy word that means to expose. Okay, so the preacher studies the text in the original languages, in the proper context, so that he can get the main point and then explain that to the congregation. All right, and amen. Like, we are certainly going to affirm the importance of expository preaching. That's my background, that's my training. I have strong convictions because I've seen it work over almost 20 years of ministry now that when people hear the word of God consistently, week after week, it, it bears fruit in their lives. I, I've seen it. I, even if I hadn't seen it, I would believe it because I think that's, that's what the scripture teaches, okay? So a church that is committed to being devoted to the word of God is at least committed to expository preaching. But is that all there is? Does a congregation that gathers once a week to listen to one person expound upon the word of God, does that mean that we are devoted to the word? Or does that mean that the congregation is dependent on a preacher as the authority or the professional not that I don't want to shepherd, not that I don't want to teach, I love to do that, but in one sense, my job is truly to work myself out of a job. It is truly to train all of you that you would know the scriptures so well that you also can understand it and even teach it to someone else. Okay? So, let's just say this. Expository preaching at least is what it means to be devoted to the word. Let's take it a step forward then and talk about Bible intake. All right? So it's another thing to be a people who are committed to taking the initiative to receive the word constantly, personally. All right? And I like to use that word Bible intake. Maybe you've, maybe you've grown up with the word quiet time, Bible reading. My goal for you is that you get the word in, however you do that. So if you're a reader, that's great. Think about this for like 16, 17, 1800 years after Jesus. The only way you had access to the word of God was to have somebody read it to you before the printing press. Only the richest people had Bibles. Only the richest people could read. Okay, so all of us would have been um, dependent on somebody reading it to us and, and then remembering what they said. All right. All right, so the point is this. We want to be a congregation who personally desire access to the Word of God. We, we want to be like, have you seen those videos of those, those people, actually the Burgesses, who we're going we're gonna to see in a couple of weeks. So he's a missionary pilot in Papua New Guinea, all right? So he's one of those guys who like flies Bibles in to people who don't have Bibles. Have you seen some of those videos online of like some group getting a Bible in their heart language for the very, it's not even a whole Bible sometimes. Sometimes it's just like the book of John, you know, and they're getting it in their own language and they're rejoicing and they're, they're crying, they're weeping because they finally have access 
to the Word of God. We, we want to be a, a church that is characterized by our own personal desire to be exposed to the Word of God. And then I'm going to take it one step forward than that, further than that and say that a church that is devoted to God's Word desires to understand God's revelation so that we can live it out. And I think, I think this is so key. Y'all, it is so good for, to hear good sermons. Go online, pot, listen to podcasts, get all the good sermons you want. It is so good for you to read the Bible. Praise God. I, I hope that we are a people. I believe we're a people who want to read the Bible. Keep reading the Bible. But all of this must be done with a desire to understand what it says. Listen to James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, but who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I believe that in many churches today, the desire to understand the word is lacking. Because James says, if you're just hearing it, but you're not doing it, you are deceiving yourselves. And we think we've done something good sometime just by going to church or just by having a quiet time. But are we truly understanding and doing what we find? Because if we're not, we're like that man who looks at himself in the mirror and finds a big clock clod of dirt on his face and turns around and doesn't do anything about it. Okay? So my prayer then is that we as a church can, by the grace of God, take the next step of understanding God's word and doing it so that we can be blessed. Listen to what James says at the end. He says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What, what do we learn about, what, what does it mean, what does he will be blessed mean? We can substitute the word happy. He will be happy. We want to be a community of believers who are devoted to the word in doing it and are happy because of it. And so that's, for the rest of the time this morning, that's, that's what I want us to talk about. How can we understand God's word so that we can do it? So at the beginning of December, I decided to read Psalm 119 every day. So Psalm 119 is a book about, I mean, I'm sorry, a chapter in Psalms. It's a long chapter. It's about a godly man who loves the Word of God. And he's just talking about the Word of God. If y'all remember Al Potter, he stole a little of my glory. Um, he preached on Psalm 119 last month. Uh, he preached on uh, verses 9 through 16. Um, so he, he helped by giving me a little bit of a, uh, giving y'all a little bit of an introduction. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. 
and it's, a, it's an acrostic. So there's 22 stanzas that correspond with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So each stanza is centered on one level of the Hebrew alphabet. And I, I think that the author did that, by the way, to like show completeness. It's, it's to show completeness of the word in the same way that it, it fills out the whole alphabet, okay? And I love that he recommended the possibility that Daniel wrote Psalm 119. I actually, I really like that idea. I'm entirely comfortable with it. Um, but whoever it was, clearly this was a man who loved the scriptures, all right? So as I read Psalm 119 over and over again every day, and I listened to it, I, I got it on, on uh, my, my phone, I began to notice certain repeated concepts. And by the way, let me say this too. We'll talk about this again at the end. But as you expose yourself to the word over and over again, there's value in reading the same thing over and over because you do start to see things. Like things start to pop out at you that you haven't noticed before. Not in any kind of mystical sense, but you're just like, okay, he's repeating that over and over again. I'm going to take note of that. So I counted nine times that, that the writer of Psalm 119 either asks for understanding or states the value of understanding the word. Okay, so I just want us just for a few minutes that we have left today, we're going to just walk through these nine uses of the word quickly of understanding so that we can understand how we can be devoted to it, okay? All right, so the first thing he says, he talks about understanding God's word keeps us safe. Why would we be devoted to the word as a church and as individuals? Because it keeps us safe. Verse 9, remember, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can, I, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Which means this, according to God's word, I should be skeptical of what I think. Like, there's a way that seems right to me, and in the end it leads to death. So if I believe that, I should think to myself, okay, here's what I think. I'm skeptical of that. Yeah. Like, how many of us actually have that perspective? I mean, how many of us are just like, here's what I think, let's go with it, right? That's, that's how we live our lives. But in reality, I should be like, okay, wait a second. Is this a choice that's going to lead to life, or is this a choice that's going to lead to death? Because what God's Word tells me is that my heart is inclined to make choices that lead to death. All right, so, so you can see this concern in the psalmist. Are you in Psalm 119? Did I say to turn there? Turn to Psalm 119. We're just going to walk through just, a, I'm not going to spend a, a ton of time on each of these, but I just want you to see a few things. Psalm 119, 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Help me understand. And then he says this. Look at, um, so just two verses down, Psalm 119, 29, and 30. He says, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules 
before me. Okay? So not only does he want to know the way of God's precepts, but he says, he says, uh, put your false ways, put false ways far from me. It doesn't, it sounds to me similar to what Jesus says when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off. If your if your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Why? Because it would be better for you to go into hell, I mean to heaven, <laughs> be worse, I don't know. Cut off your right hand, because it would be better to keep it than to disobey God's law. That's, and that's, that's similar to what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying, put it far from me. I, I, want, I want to get as far away from, from the false way as I possibly can. Look at verse 32. He says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. That The word enlarge there in the Hebrew, it, the root of the word means liberty. When you, when you give me liberty of heart, I will run in the way of your commandments. So when our hearts are set free from all the constraints and the anxiety and the trouble that comes from that way that leads to death, we will be able to run at liberty towards God's commandment. And then he summarizes this whole perspective at the beginning of the next stanza in verses 33 through 35. It's the word understanding again. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. There it is again. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Why would we as a people at Hope Bible Church, be devoted personally to the Word because it keeps us safe. It keeps us on the right path. Y'all, there are clearly two paths. And there are clearly only two choices. We're on one or we're on the other. And we as a church and we as individuals, I want us to be very skeptical of anyone who says, well, that's just the way things are done. But does it, does it square with God's word? Because if that's the way things are done, but it doesn't square with God's word, then it's the way that leads to death. And we need to run the opposite direction. You know, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. I'm, I'm not making this up. We need, we need better baloney detectors. And the way to get baloney detectors is to be familiar with God's word, to be able to say, that's baloney. That's not the way that leads to life. Okay, number two, understanding God's word helps us to understand who we are. Look at verse 73. Your hands have made me and fashioned me Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. I'm a creature. God created me. His hands made me. God, give me understanding. Very simply, I am not created to live in this world apart from God's revelation. I, if, if I was a toaster, I need to toast. I need to make toast, right? If I'm a car, I need to drive. I am a human being. I have been God created me for certain things, and He has told me what those things are. So, as a creature, I want to understand those things. It also says that we are servants. Look at Psalm. uh, Look at one twenty-four and one twenty-five. Deal with your servant 
according to your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Um, in that book, the Seeking Allah book, he says after he told his parents, you know, and he was going down the street, and he knew it was going to be bad, and it was worse than he expected. And he said he was just crying to God, and he was saying, why didn't you just take my life? Like, why couldn't you have just saved me and then taken my life so that I wouldn't have to destroy the lives of my parents? Like, I've made the people I love so unhappy by this this decision that I've made. And he said he was meditating on different verses, you know, and he said it just all of a sudden, through through God's word, it just became so clear. He said, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I was just so certain that God was saying, it's not about you. It's just not about you. And he said this, like, wave of peace just flooded over him in the midst of that trial. We are, we are his servants, Give me understanding. Help me to understand that. Jesus is our king. I'm a servant. I I need to have the proper response of a servant. And I need to trust that, that what he is doing, that he is wise and he understands. And then finally, we are simple. Uh, verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It, ge- it imparts understanding to the simple. Very simply, I don't know what I don't know. I am simple. I am a child. I, Before God, I am a child. He is my father. I need my father to guide me. And it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to believe that. I, I, uh, Paul Miller in his book uh, A Pray in Life said this it's, it has stuck with me ever since I read it the first time Jesus was the most dependent person who ever lived because what does he say over and over I just do what my father tells me to do I just look to my father and that, that should be our goal as well that we just be utterly dependent on him and then thirdly, understanding God's word gives us abundant life. Verse 144, your testimonies are righteous. Give me understanding that I may live. If you read the psalm, you see that sometimes he is talking about actually like saving his life. But I think in other times he's just saying, I want abundant life. But Jesus said, I've, I have come to give you life. I have come to give you life more abundantly. So, yes, I want to stay alive, but I want to live the bountiful life. Um, back in verses 17 and 18, I'm sorry to go backwards. I tried to keep going forwards. But he says, deal, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. That, that's a prayer, by the way, that I've begun to just incorporate personally for my own quiet time to just say, dear God, deal bountifully with me. Open my eyes that I can behold wonderful things from your law. I, I mean, that, what a blessing that would be if God would open our eyes that we might see the wonderful things. It's interesting, too. The word law there is Torah. The law. <laughs> Wonderful things from your. I mean, we have you know we have a really bad impression of the law, 
But God's law, even though we can't keep it, it's good. And, and the psalmist has learned to say, help me understand it so that I can live bountifully. What's the good life for you? What, what is the good life for us as Hope Bible Church? Is it riches? Is it power and position? Is it romance? Is it adventure? And these are all things that most people would consider to be the good life. But, but the psalmist here says, it would be a bountiful life for me if you would just open my eyes so that I can understand. Let me see it. Remember our passage from uh, 2 Corinthians 3 last week, verse 12? It says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Oh God, just remove that veil so that we can just see more and more about how wondrous God's word is. <laughs> this, don't turn to all these. Listen to the perspective that the psalmist speaks of God's word. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. What, what if you could have that perspective? The law of the Lord, the law of your mouth is better than money, than a thousand gold and silver pieces. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then in verse 127, he says, therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. God, just give me your word. What do you spend time praying for? What do you spend time begging for? I would encourage you to consider this year praying that God would give you understanding. Hey, this guy's writing the Bible. Whoever he is, he's writing the Bible and he is still praying for understanding. All right, so let's be practical for a second. What does this look like? All right, let me give you some encouragements for what this looks like. Number one, start where the psalmist started. Ask. Okay? Over and over again, he prays, Give me understanding. Teach me your statutes. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Establish my footsteps in your word. Y'all, God is our Father. He, it says, Jesus says, he wants to give us good things. Pray in the name of Jesus. That means pray for things that honor and exalt Jesus. There's nothing that I believe God would like to grant us more than that we would ask for understanding of his word. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. You know what that without reproach means? I think it means God will never say, why didn't you ask sooner? I think he's just happy you asked. Asked for wisdom. Whether you're 13 or 80, the time is now. Ask God for wisdom. Here, you're going to learn something this morning. Have you ever heard of the doctrine of perspicuity? Can you even say that? The doctrine of perspicuity? We talk about the doctrine of inerrancy and fallibility and uh, inspiration as it relates to the Word of God. Here's what the doctrine of perspicuity. I practiced that a little bit to say that. Here's what it means. It means that the Bible itself can be properly interpreted by any Christian in a normal, literal sense. It means you and I can understand it. It's not too obscure. It's not too difficult for the common people. You know, there was a time when that's what people thought, that it needed to be interpreted for 
someone else, okay? By the way, that's my concern about churches that focus too much on just expository preaching. It gives the impression that I'm the only person who can understand and that I need to tell that. That's not true. I want to lead you to understanding so that you increase your own understanding. All right? Um, secondly, all right, so, so ask number two. Make a plan and stick to it. Set a time. Let's say you're like, David, I am convinced. God's word is important. But I've got school, kids, work, practice, homework, etc. And all of these are immovable objects. And they keep me from God's word. In that case, what you have to do is make God's word one of those immovable objects. It just, it has to become. It has to become one of those immovable appointments. You have to make a plan and you have to carry it out consistently. The psalmist says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. I had a roommate in college, one of the godliest guys I've ever known. He was, he was godly when he was 18. Um, but his, every night, it drove me crazy because he kept his light on until like late at night. But that was his time. That was his time when he could read the word of God and he read it every single night. Um, I, I'm a morning guy, like a really early morning guy. So, I, I mean, that, that's helpful. You know, I can get up, I can read in the morning. I spend my time in the word in the morning. I, I would submit to you, you find your best time and you carve that out. Because it's important. If, if you're like, I'm a huge lunchtime reader, then go for it. Ha, ha, do, read the scriptures at lunch. Do whatever it takes. Um, have a Bible reading plan. I mentioned this last week. The uh, Bible open at random thing doesn't lead to a lot of great understanding. It's good for checking boxes. Um, you know, one of these days you're going to open to Nahum and you're going to be like, I have no idea what's going on here, okay? So I would say one of the big biggest helps to understanding is context, which just means read, read books from the beginning to the end. Read them over and over. I, I put on Facebook, uh, Ligonier put out about 20 different Bible reading plans. Uh, if you don't do the Facebooks, um, I would be happy to send that to you, uh, to send a copy. Um, here's some other ideas. Read one book of the Bible over and over again for a month. That's what I did with Psalm 119. Um, I remember one time I decided to just read Romans in one sitting, and I was like, huh. It was helpful. Like, I mean, I remember the first time I did it and being like, because Paul wrote it as a letter. And they, you know, they weren't like chapter one. Okay, we're done with chapter one. We'll read chapter two next week. No, they, they all sat down and they read the letter, you know? So that's helpful. Um, start with the New Testament. Don't neglect the Old Testament. We can talk more about that later. Pray through the Psalms is another good idea. Personally, I think it would be worthwhile for every believer to read the Bible from cover to cover at least once in your life. It didn't get that way by accident. They put it together that way for some reason, you know, so try that.
Um, get help. So get a study Bible. If you don't have a study Bible, a study Bible is a Bible, and I, Matt or I can direct you to this, but it's got the scripture, and then it's got notes underneath, just little commentary where you can look down and understand better what you're reading. I can recommend good books, listen to sermons from godly men, not necessarily famous men. Just because somebody's famous doesn't mean that they're necessarily preaching the scripture, okay? So be aware of that. Talk about the Bible together. Share what you're discovering, okay? It's good. I, I learn a lot from talking to other people and hearing what they're learning. Try to avoid saying, what are you learning in your quiet time? As code for, I want to be able to tell you what I'm learning in my quiet time. Like it's really important that you be willing to listen and not just that you want to tell other people. And then finally, one of the reasons we've talked a lot about having a, a new place to meet, sincerely, part of our desire in that is I want to equip you to, to be able to understand the Bible better. I, I think it's possible for every single one of us in this room to be able to know, basically, what is the message of Obadiah. It can be done. It's not, you know, you may not be able to know how all the Hebrew works, but you can know what the book's about, okay? It's not that hard. And then finally, persevere. Look, I'm not a big lunch misser, um, but when I do miss lunch, I eat dinner. I'm not like, that's it, I'm done. I'm done eating forever because I missed a meal. You know, I, I get back on the horse. Sometimes I even snack later, okay? Um, so I, it's the same for reading the word, y'all. I mean, I think some people are so defeated. It's like, all right, I'm going to do this every day in January. I miss January 6th. I'm done. No, just read it. Pick it up and read it. Read it again later, okay? Persevere. Freedom comes through practice. People who have a lot of freedom on the piano just didn't sit down and start playing. They practiced and practiced and practiced, and now they have freedom, right? It's the same with the Word of God. If you want freedom in the Word of God, you have to read the Word of God. Yo, I went to seminary. I didn't know much. I, I was around guys who had read, like, Calvin's Institutes over and over again. And I'm like, I haven't even finished reading the Bible yet. And I, I just prayed, God, help me. Help me to get this stuff. And he did over time. But I had to be committed to it. And then this one more thing, and then we'll, we'll finish up. One more point. But parents, do your children see you reading the Bible? And I think that's important. If, if your children are going to pick up the habit, they need to know that you have the habit. All right, and then finally this. We'll close with this today. You don't agree with everything the Bible says. I don't agree with everything the Bible says. It's kind of weird, right? Like, we live in a, in a world that's filled with a lot of what people are calling confirmation bias, you know? Like, Google is making sure that we're reading everything that we agree with. Um, you don't agree with the Bible. I, I like to say, Jesus had a way of, like, sticking his finger right on the spot where it hurt. With the rich young ruler, with the woman at the well. He did it lovingly, but he was like, Argh. And that's the way the scripture is with us. It should be. You should find that as you read the scripture, you're like, I don't know about that. And so I would say, move into that. Because remember, there's a way that seems right to us, but in the end, it leads to death. 
So be skeptical about what you think and be certain about what God's word says. So I want us to develop this culture, but I want us to do it together, okay? This is not just me preaching. The, oh, we have a Bible preaching church. That's great. I want us to be a church that loves the word of God together. I want to help you with that. Matt wants to help you with that. Whatever we can do, if I, am, if I have struck a thirsty nerve in your soul and you're like, I want help, please come and tell me. It would be my joy to help you to develop these kind of habits, to develop that prayer that says, Father, open my eyes that I can behold wonderful things from your law. All right, let me pray. Father, would you do this for us? Would you please do this for us? God, open our eyes as a church. God, would would you allow that Hope Bible Church would be known as a group of people who love the God of the Bible and who are passionate about knowing what you have revealed. Father, make us thirsty. Lord, I pray that you would wake us up early, that you would give us strength in the evenings. Father, I pray that you would help us to model this before our children, before people at work, to just say, I love your word. Father, help it to flow out of our mouths. God, I pray that it would would pulse through our veins. And God, I ask that you would give us the blessing of obedience. Lord, I pray that you would guard us from being people who, who are hearers of the word, only and not doers. And Lord, I know, I know because your Bible says so. I know that we will be blessed. Father, may we may we desire it more than we desire silver or gold. May it be like honey to our taste. Oh God, we will give you all the glory. We will give you all the glory for it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.